Coming to you from the Forge of Freedom studio in the heart of America, a podcast dedicated to preserving freedom and inspiring personal success. Freedom is born and lives through you, the individual, and it dies in the shadows of tyranny. Motivating our listeners to become well-rounded, freedom-minded people with the body of an athlete, the mind of a stoic, and the spirit of a warrior. The Tree of Liberty lives on through you, the Forge of Freedom. And now here's your host, Alex Uli. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 24 of the Forge of Freedom. Today, I'm joined by Mike Uli to discuss the ATF final rule regarding pistol stabilizing braces. Mike, welcome back to the show. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Uh, so a lot of people have heard about the ATF changing their minds uh, and creating a new rule about pistol braces, but feel a little bit lost about what's going on. So we're going to talk about that today, that ATF uh, final rule regarding pistol braces and try to bring some clarity about what your options may be in response to this new final rule. Uh, so, uh, Mike, I guess I'll just start out. What What is going on with this pistol brace rule? You just want to give a little bit of background? Well, first of all, um, we're going to, I don't know how much clarity we're going to uh, provide here today, but we're going to do our best. Uh, I've spent hours and hours on this. As a matter of fact, I was reviewing some things this morning. I thought I'd spend an hour or so to review things for this podcast. I think I've spent, uh, I don't know, three or four just this morning again uh, on this thing. Went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So it's incredibly complicated, uh, sort of lots of lawyer speak here. But anyway, this pistol brace rule, um, it affects, it depends on who you listen to. If you listen to the anti-gun Biden administration folks, or you listen to the this may sound strange, the Congressional Research Office or something like that. Um, there's probably from three to 40 million firearms owners out there. They're going to be required to choose between registering a firearm uh, with what I consider to be a tyrannical agency, the ATF. They're going to have the or they're going to have the option to destroy the firearm, forfeit the firearm, alter the firearm. Or if they don't do any of those things, they may face felony charges or a criminal conviction if they don't comply with this new final rule that's been uh, published by the ATF uh, that we're going to talk about here today. And one thing that, you know, I want to give a little caveat there. I I think there are a lot of people out there that are not necessarily going to uh, comply with this final rule from the ATF. Um, And we're both lawyers. Don't hold that against us. But um, we're certainly under an obligation not to encourage anybody to break the law. So we're just trying to give you the landscape here today. And, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know that your, your, your choice is going to be absolutely clear, but at least to give you some more information so that you can make an informed decision about what to do going forward. Yeah. And I guess on that note too, we're not giving any legal advice here. We're simply giving you some, uh, clarity, maybe a little education about what your options might might be and some of the, the ramifications of this rule. Yeah. And there are a lot of folks listening that may not know what a pistol brace even is. And we'll get that get to that in a little bit. Um, but for maybe the more involved listener, I think there are a lot of folks out there that do know what a pistol brace is. They know what a short barreled rifle is. They know what a pistol is, at least intuitively. Um, and they may be, they understand that the ATF's final rule here has been challenged in courts all across the country. 
and they're waiting for one of the court, one or more of the courts to invalidate, invalidate this rule in, in, in my estimation for a lot of reasons, um, some of which we're going to talk about today. I think ultimately um, the courts and probably the Supreme Court of the United States will invalidate this rule uh, completely at some juncture. The question is whether a court will invalidate this rule. I shouldn't say invalidate. They'll enjoin the enforcement of the rule um, pending full litigation about whether the rule is even valid or not under the Constitution or other federal law. Um, and I think a lot of people are banking on a court stepping in and uh, issuing some sort of injunction. I'm not, I'm getting less and less confident that that's going to happen uh, by May 31st of this year. And we'll talk about that date here in a little bit, why that's important. Um, but I'm less certain that a court is going to jump in here and issue an injunction before folks have to make real decisions about what they're going to do with um, what I consider to be pistols that have a uh, stabilizing brace on them. Yeah, we're, I mean, time is certainly running out to obtain an injunction um, or d d some relief while the litigation is pending. Um, but the other thing, too, and, and you mentioned that we're sort of assuming some some level of knowledge from the listeners here. When we talk about the ATF, we're obviously we're talking about the Bureau of Alcohol, uh, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, which is an administrative agency of the executive branch. So they have no ability to make the law, right? I mean, th this is an important concept that people need to understand. Congress, the legislature makes the laws, the executive branch is tasked with enforcing the laws, and they create these agencies to do that. And that's what the ATF is. And one of the things they've done with this pistol brace rule is they've interpreted the language of the law and they've changed their interpretation. So there are lots of people, you mentioned three to I think 40 million people, firearms owners who may fall under this uh, or be subject to this new rule. They, they may have owned these pistol brace firearms perfectly lawfully up until this new rule was adopted. And then the ATF just said, oh, actually we changed our mind. We changed our interpretation about what the law is. And now we're going to say they're unlawful unless you do these certain things. Well, yeah. And what's important, like I said, we may need to go back and define some basic terms here in a minute, but essentially what the uh, ATF has done here is they pre they do have rulemaking authority uh, with respect to laws that Congress passes uh, but previously, they've looked at these uh, stabilizing braces and said, yeah, they're okay. You can attach them to a firearm, and it doesn't make the firearm a short barrel rifle. And we'll get to that in a minute. Like I said, we need to do some foundational definitions here. But uh, recently, with the Biden administration um, coming on board, um, they changed their interpretation of the law and issued a new rule, and which is completely contradictory to the previous opinions that the ATF has given. So anyway, but like I said, before we go into that anymore, maybe we ought to talk about some definitions here just real quickly so people that aren't you know intimately familiar with this issue can kind of follow where we're going. Yeah. So I, I think maybe it's helpful to, to start out by talking about NFA versus non-NFA items and what that means. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Well, yeah. The Well, first of all, non-NFA items are generally the firearm that you used to be able to go to Walmart, or well, I guess you still can. There. Sears. I mean, you could go to the Sears or your 
local sporting goods store and buy a Remington 1100 shotgun or a Smith and Wesson revolver, you know, it's a typical farm you could go and buy. Uh, you have to go through a background check if you, when you buy it from an FFL. Um, and those are kind of what I consider quote normal sorts of firearms that most people are familiar with. I shouldn't say normal, they're all normal, but uh, NFA items are items that are regulated uh, since 1934 uh, with the National Firearms Act. And these are, uh, I don't know, specific firearms, short barreled rifles, short barreled shotguns, uh, suppressors, they're referenced as silencers, I think under the act. Um, but anyway, these are firearms that have to be registered with the federal government and the ATF is the primary agency that handles that. And what that means is you have to pay a tax and you register it. If you want to move the firearm across state lines, you have to ask the uh, ATF for permission to do that by filing a form. I think it's a 5320s something or another form you have to file, but these are highly regulated firearms. Um, and that's the difference between, that's what an NFA item is. Um, highly regulated items, like I said, short barrel rifle silencers are two of the most, the, the most, the primary types of items that are regulated. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. It's important here to point out too. A lot of people think when they buy a firearm, just any firearm at a, an FFL dealer, it's registered. It's not registered. If you're just buying a 22 caliber rifle or a nine millimeter handgun, those are not arms that would be registered. You have to go through a background check, but the firearm is not registered. These NFA items are in fact registered and you have to pay a $200 tax to get, to get a tax stamp to have along with the item. But there are also additional regulations that you've, you've mentioned as well. So NFA items, highly regulated, non-NFA, not so, not nearly as regulated and not registered. Yeah. And I'll point out that registration again, you know, folks go buy a Glock 19 or a J frame revolver, Smith and Wesson J frame. And I have people say, Oh, it's registered. Well, no, at least as far as we know. And if the federal government is living up to federal law, they're not, they're not even informally registered because, uh, the, uh, background check that's done by the FBI, there's not supposed to be any record of that. And it's supposed to be destroyed. Now we don't know how quickly they're destroyed and how, what the federal government interprets as, uh, as immediately destroyed, but uh, they are supposed to be destroyed and there's no registration out there with respect to those firearms. Okay. So I, I, we've talked about NFA, non-NFA. Now I think it's helpful. We're going to be talking about pistol braces. We're going to be talking about rifles. I think it's helpful to draw a distinction between what is a pistol and what is a rifle. And we're kind of talking about some gray area in between here in a little bit. Yeah, and I don't bore you with definitions a lot today, and I think we all intuitively know what a pistol or a handgun is versus a rifle. Um, when we, it's kind of one of those things when you see it, you know what it is. But anyway, a pistol means a weapon originally designed, made, and intended to fire a projectile, that's a bullet, from uh, one or more barrels when held in one hand. And that's the important thing is when, hel is when held in one hand is, the I think, the important characteristic there. Um, a rifle under federal law, and I'm going to read this, means a weapon designed or redesigned, made or remade, and intended to be fired from the shoulder and designed or redesigned to be made or remade to use the energy of explosive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the important thing is, is the pistol is intended to be fired with one hand, the rifle is put against the shoulder. Now, there's another definition under 
Remember we talked about the F, uh, the NFA items that have to be registered. You have to pay the tax. They're they're followed. There's a database kept by the the N, uh, ATF, and if you move, they want to know what the firearms moved, and you got to file a form. All those sorts of things. Those are called short barreled rifles. A short barreled rifle means a rifle having one or more barrels less than 16 inches in length, and any weapon made from a rifle, if such weapon as modified, has an overall length of less than 26 inches. Usually the big thing there is uh, a, a barrel uh, less than 16 inches in length is usually what is, is the biggest criteria to define a short-barreled rifle. So, so an SBR or a short-barreled rifle would be one of, an example of an NFA item that has to be registered and you have to pay a tax of $200 to get a tax stamp. That's right. So you don't have to, ordinarily, you don't have to register a pistol. You don't have to register a rifle on the other end of the spectrum, but you do have to register a short barrel rifle if it's one of these items that has a barrel less than 16 inches uh, in length. Mm -hmm. So what ultimately happened is manufacturers made these firearms that were informally characterized as AR pistols. And they were designed, if you remember my definition of a pistol, to be shot with one hand. And they were primarily... I think marketed towards folks with disabilities so that they, you know, if you have a problem with one hand, you need to fire a, a one of your two hands, you need to fire a firearm with one hand. I'll get this out. There's too many firearms fires in there. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're made for those folks. And along with those came what was called pistol stabilizing braces. And in place at the rear of an AR-15, in place of a stock, that would generally be placed against the shoulder, there were these things called stabilizing braces. And they basically wrap around the shooter's arm and assist them in holding the firearm, the, the AR pistol, stable so that you can shoot it accurately. Um, eventually, these were submitted to the uh, ATF to say, hey, listen, can we submit these? Uh, can we attach these to these AR pistols? So, And if we do that, will, the, will these AR pistols somehow become SBRs or short barrel rifles. Well, the ATF issued some letters, worked with some manufacturers. They initially, I think maybe as far back as, I don't know when for sure, 2011, 12, 13, something like that, 10 plus years around that, said, yeah, these are fine. Um, you, can, you can attach them to these AR pistols and then it will not change the characteristics of that pistol to somehow magically change it to an SBR. So, Companies like, for example, SB Tactical, which is one of the popular manufacturers of these pistol stabilizing braces, actually designed these braces that were meant to be strapped around the arm so that the weapon, which looks a lot like a short barrel rifle, but has a different uh, attachment on the end. It does not have a solid stock instead that was designed to be put against the shoulder. Instead, and correct me if I'm wrong here, right, it has a brace that is designed to be strapped around the arm so that it could be shot with one hand to fit within the definition of a pistol that we talked about earlier. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't swear that every one of them has a strap, but they're designed to be shot, designed to aid the uh, person firing or shooting the firearm with one hand. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Biden administration came along and their ATF and they said, whoa, after, like I said, there are three to 40 million of them out there. Um, and after three to 40 million Americans relied upon the ATF saying, yes, you can have these and attach these to your firearm and it will not magically change your firearm into an SBR that has to be registered with the ATF and which is taxed. Um, the, 
like I said, the Biden administration came along and changed all that and issued this final rule that we got in January of this year, 2023. And it, uh, with the rule is about a hundred pages long, just the rule itself. And I would submit to you, I don't know, but there are probably hundreds of pages on the ATF's website that try to explain this rule uh, so that, uh, quote, regular people, end quote, can understand what the rule says and what folks' options are with respect to this rule. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, there's some tough choices that are going to have to be made by folks that own these pistol stabilizing braces. What's important about this rule is the ATF in their, um, well, never mind, um, decided to uh, give everybody a grace period, so to speak, until May, I think it's May 31st, 2023, to, uh, quote, allow you, end quote, um, to register your uh, heretofore pistol uh, as an SBR if you want to continue to use your your pistol stabilizing brace attached to that AR pistol. They're really generous folks over there at the ATF, yeah, aren't they? They're great. In my estimation, yeah. it's a complete con confiscation <laughs> is what it is. But anyway. Um, and, and, but before before you move on, and sorry to interrupt, there's kind of a theme, and I'll tell a quick story here because I think it, it's it's fitting. We were at a, a legal conference several years ago, and the ATF uh, was invited to send a representative to speak, and they spoke about this NFA, the tax under the NFA, the $200 tax that's been in place since 1934. And the ATF representative speaking to a room full of freedom-loving gun advocates uh, said, you know, you should be thankful that the tax is still just $200. Inflation adjusted, it would be well over $4,000 this day. Um, so we're basically, he was basically saying we're really generous that we haven't raised that or haven't encouraged Congress to raise that. Um, so as you might imagine, he got a room full of cold stares for that comment. Yeah, I don't think there were no laughs, smiles, or applause after yeah, that. They've taken a similar approach here in their uh, generosity by allowing us, so to speak, to uh, have a grace period. Um, but nevertheless, I think there are lots of folks out there who, like us, don't think they're so gracious and are more tyrannical. Yeah, I've already used the word tyrannical, so I'm probably on a list somewhere anyway, so <laughs> I guess I'm okay. But uh, here's what's... Uh, uh, really interesting about that. I, I watched, what is his name? I got, I have other pejoratives for him. I'm trying to find his name, the head of the ATF. What's his name? Dettelbach. Dettelbach. Um, I listened to him. He, he spoke at a, or uh, yeah, he spoke at a regional congressional hearing that probably happened in the last two weeks, certainly three weeks. Um, and amongst other things, he was asked about, you know, this, uh, pistol brace rule. Um, but What's of interest about that, um, at least to me, is it didn't sound like he understood his own rule. Um, but anyway, I digress. Let's go ahead. Let's get back to the rule if we can and what folks said editorializing. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll kind of recap here real quick and then we'll get back to the rule. So um, 2012, 2013, uh, somewhere in there, uh, these companies submit their designs to the ATF. The ATF said, yep. These weapons with those pistol braces are still pistols, not short barrel rifles. Fast forward 10 years, millions of people have purchased these firearms with these pistol stabilizing braces under the uh, guidance of the ATF, relying on the guidance of the ATF, saying that they are, in fact, pistols and not short barrel rifles. And then here we are, 2023, ATF changes their mind, 
makes a new rule and says, nope, those items that you purchased over the course of the last 10 years, those are actually short-barreled rifles. They're not pistols. And now you have to register them, pay a tax, or essentially destroy them. But we'll get more into the here about what the options are. Yeah. And why? And here's kind of the first time-sensitive option, I think, that the ATF has given. You can go to atf.gov or just Google it and you can go to their website. The rule is there. Like I said, it's like almost a hundred pages long. And it's one of these triple column deal that you see in the federal register. Anyway, it's uh, quite lengthy, but one of the options you have, if you own one of these uh, heretofore pist AR pistols uh, and AR pistol braces is you can simply register your firearm uh, through the E4 e-file process, which is on ATF's website. You can use, I think it's a form one, but you have to do it by May 31st, 2023. Um, and then there, I don't, not sure they have this authority, but evidently they think they do. They're waiving the $200 tax that's associated with, uh, registering other NFA items like this. So if you register by, if you strike that, if you begin the registration process, by May 31st, 2023, which is instituted by, you know, you have to register with the ATF online, get some kind of online account, and then you have to start with the, the uh, Form 1. If you do that before uh, May 31st, then you're supposedly, supposedly, if you believe the ATF, remember we talked about them changing their positions earlier, if you believe them, uh, it's okay that they don't approve your Form 1 until many weeks or months later, as long as you've begun the process. Now, I want to caution you, if that's something you decide you want to do, you're going to have to submit fingerprints uh, and photos. So it's not something you can sit down and do in 10 minutes. It's going to take some pre-planning. So if you want to do that, you better do it, start working on that pretty soon. I will also mention, um, we've done some business previously with, uh, I mean, bought things, that's all. I'm not endorsing anybody, anything, but, uh, Silencer Shop has a process. I think they charge $50 and 10% of it, I think, goes to the uh, SAF, Second Amendment Foundation, or another Second Amendment advocacy group. But they help you with that process and streamline it, um, probably make it easier to do the fingerprints and the picture. And I think they handle a lot of the paperwork. Uh, quite frankly, if you go to the ATF's website and you look at the process, um, as you might imagine, um, it's the government's made it complicated. Uh, for I think the average person, I know well, maybe I'm not below average person, um, but it is sort of complicated. I think to do what they want you to do by May 31st. And and we're not. And once again, uh, we'll say here again, we're not encouraging anyone to register their firearm or destroy their firearm. We're not giving advice. We're just telling you what your options are here. So that's one option. Another option that you have is, according to the ATF, is you can replace your the short barrel on your AR pistol. Remember, we talked about those NFA items and that 16-inch barrel length. Um, you can put a barrel on there that's longer than 16 inches. And if you do that, according to the ATF, at least currently, um, you're going to be okay. Um, so if you want to go through the process of doing that. Um, I'm going to go back to the removing the brace in a minute. You can also, a couple other options, you can forfeit your firearm to the local ATF office. Sounds like a wonderful option. Jeez. And I'm this, sorry. I, and I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt here real yeah. quickly. This uh, option, and this is all an example of what I'm about to say, but replace the barrel so that it's longer than 16 inches. Somehow, just being that magic 16 inch length makes the firearm just innocuous and not 
you know, of any interest to the ATF or to, to registration. I, we don't think you should have to register any firearms or devices, but that just show, sh- sort of shows you the tyranny of bureaucracy and it, it, how, it, of course, this new rule will make no difference whatsoever on crime, on uh, gun-related firearms deaths or any of the, these things. Uh, this is just clearly uh, the ATF stepping in and exerting their authority to get people to register firearms that would otherwise not have to be registered. Yeah, this is an example of bureaucratic tyranny. That's what it is, period, yeah. end of discussion as far as I'm concerned. It'll have no impact. I mean, we and we know they don't want to stop it. 16 inches above or well, they want them all before it's over that's why we're seeing assault quote assault weapons bans across the country yeah uh, anyway um back to your options according to the atf you can forfeit your firearm to the local atf atf office or you can destroy the firearm and you can get online and look at what the f the, the atf says about how to forfeit your firearm and destroy it um if you want to the last thing, that's probably the last thing we're going to talk about, but another option is the ATF. And this is what's interesting. And ultimately, I think that this final rule will be struck down by the courts, ultimately the Supreme Court, uh, because in my estimation, and we can get down in the weeds about is this like the bump stocks or is this like another case? But I think ultimately this is a, a, a prime example of not only bureaucratic tyranny, but of an agency acting completely arbitrary and capriciously in the exercise of whatever authority Congress has given it. Um, and I think ultimately that's why this is going to be struck down. And I think you'll see that a little bit in about, in, a, in what I'm about to say about this, another option the ATF is giving you. Yeah. And I, I agree. Reportedly. And I agree with that. I think ultimately uh, these second amendment advocacy groups will prevail in the courts in challenging this, this rule but it's at the beginning we said it's not looking promising to obtain a preliminary injunction so um it's still possible but not not looking promising but a preliminary injunction what a lot of people don't realize is a is an extraordinary legal measure uh in action by the court so it's actually quite unusual to get a preliminary injunction but at the same time this is a pretty serious uh, regulation or rule imposed by the ATF and impacts millions of people. Yeah, just because a party doesn't get in a preliminary injunction doesn't win on that issue. Certainly doesn't mean they're going to not they're, that they're not going to win ultimately. But like the bump stocks thing, it's been years mm-hmm. before that was finally resolved. Right. Um, so it may take. And, and I think that's part of the hope here, right? That the the, the liberals, uh, the liberal side of the argument, they they I think want to prolong this litigation with the hopes that the composition of the Supreme Court changes, uh, maybe in the next year or two or or three or four. So if they can drag out this litigation, the Supreme Court may not be so favorable to challenges to the ATF rulemaking. Um, but the other thing too, just real quickly, and I'll let you keep going here, Mike. You mentioned arbitrary and capricious, but I think this is clearly beyond the administrative authority of the ATF for several reasons. The good news is that the Supreme Court is currently hearing a case about the extent of administrative agency authority. And for quite a few years now, there's been this concept called Chevron deference where where courts uh, give lots of deference to 
these administrative authorities, not just ATF, but other administrative authorities. The EPA. The EPA, the FDA, lots of uh, CDC, lots of, there are all kinds of administrative authorities. But this challenge currently before the Supreme Court is not firearms related, but it could have implications on the ATF and gun control. So we're hopeful that the Supreme Court uh, reigns in administrative authority through that case. Yeah, we hope, I hope it rains it. Well, first of all, my hope would be that we could just eliminate a lot of these three letter agencies completely uh, and reduce the size of federal government. But uh, as an alternative, we hope that the Supreme Court will at least constrain their authority and their power uh, and to operate within the confines of the law. Um, so a couple more things back to what the ATF will, uh, quote, allow you, end quote, to do, I think, under the law. And, and by the way, I think it, there are some folks that are going to register and take the ATF up, up on its offer to register by May 31st. There, I guess there's a couple of good things from that. You don't have to pay a $200 tax. Um, and the other thing is that, um, I mean, you will have a short-barreled rifle, and you can attach a rifle stock um, to your firearm and get the additional utility of a rifle stock if that's what you want. So, um, and then, you know, you can, you'll have to comply with the NFA, like I said, as far as moving the firearm across state lines, if you change the overall length, you'll have to report to them, yada, yada, yada. So uh, there's some people doing that. Um, an interesting note about that, I, I, I wouldn't absolutely uh, lie upon this because I didn't get, didn't get it from the first source, but uh, I know when I watched the ATF director's testimony, he was asked, I believe by, Congressman Thomas Massey about how many folks had taken advantage of this amnesty period and begun the process of registering their um, firearms. He said he didn't know. Um, amazing. It's amazing. He did a lot of things he didn't know. It's amazing how, how much an ATF, ATF director doesn't know about his agency, his rules and firearms. But anyway, uh, that's what it seemed like. Um, but he didn't know how many people had taken advantage of it. But uh, I recently read that there was a firearms uh, retailers, I think Orchid is the name of the company, maybe that was sponsoring it, which helps FFLs, maybe through software and things like that. Um, their NFA book or their uh, registration books. Anyway, the report was that about a, through the end of April, 125,000 people had put in a Form 1 to register under this amnesty um, during this amnesty period. Um, and remember what I, I indicated earlier, there are between 30 and 40 million of these out there. So I'm not a mathematician, but uh, if you believe um, this report that the second in command at ATF said there at 125,000 people had taken advantage of this amnesty offer, um, it's a very low percentage of the total uh, folks out there that are affected by this rule. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, it's a lot of people still, but a very low percentage, a very low compliance rate. And maybe people are hoping, banking on litigation, uh, stopping this rule. But uh, I kind of suspect that even once the rule goes into effect, if it does go into effect uh, without an injunction, uh, the compliance rate will still be relatively low, I suspect. All right. So the last thing I want to, well, not the last thing, but I'm going to talk about here. Another option you have is interesting. Um, and if you look at one of the ATFs, like it's not the rule itself, but one of the little charts they have, they say that one of the options you have to comply with this new rule in the law is you can remove the brace so that it cannot be reattached. Well, and that's all. It's that simple. 
what it says. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, I can imagine 10 lawyers could interpret that 10 different ways if you ask them 10 different questions about, about that. But what's of interest to me that I want to point out to you, once again, I'm going to go back, go back to that uh, uh, congressional testimony by the ATF director. Here's, I'm going to try to find it. Here's what he said in part uh, when he was asked about, you know, what ordinary Americans are supposed to do about this rule. He said, I don't know what the exact question was. I didn't, don't have that down, but you can go back and listen to the testimony. Maybe Alex will link it. But he did say this. We wrote the rule to make it easy to comply with. Right. He didn't say that. That's my in, um, editorial editorial comment. If Here's his quote. Quote, if somebody just at their home detaches the weapon from the brace and keeps them apart, comma, they do not have to register anything, period. They can keep the brace, comma, they can keep the business end of the gun, period, end quote. Like I said, that's just part of his testimony. It's not his entire testimony. You can go look at that. But to me, what that means is to comply with the law, you can simply take the brace off the firearm, lay it down, and you're good to go. Um, that is not, however, what the rule says in my estimation. Here's what the rule says. I'm reading from that. Remember I said it was about a hundred pages. Here's your option. You can permanently remove and dispose of or alter the stabilizing brace such that it cannot be reattached, comma, thereby removing the weapon from regulation, blah, blah, blah. So to me, the FBI or the FBI, the ATF director's testimony is quite different from a legal perspective um, from what the actual rule says. And remember, the if you violate the rule, you're potentially facing $1,000 in fines and years in prison. So um, here's an example of why I think uh, these rules are arbitrary and capricious. Either the ATF director doesn't know his own rules, um, which is very possible that he doesn't understand the rules that he's promulgated. Uh, or he's trying to mislead the American public in Congress, another possibility. Um, or I suppose there are other options as well, but that's what we're left with at this juncture. Um, so you can permanently remove and dispose of or alter the stabilizing brace so that it can't be reattached. Effectively, in my mind, that means destroy it. Yeah. It doesn't say destroy, but it says – it doesn't explicitly say the word destroy, but it says essentially destroy it yeah, because it yet. says remove what's it say there you it says it permanently remove and dispose of comma or alter comma the stabilizing brace such that it cannot be reattached thereby removing the weapon from the regulation of et cetera, et cetera. Just so, dispose or alter so that it cannot be reattached yeah and it's i don't know what else you would use i don't know how that's anything other than constructive destruction but mm -hmm. anyway it sounds like that's what it is yeah and, and i think maybe we ought to talk about something what we're worried about here is what's called a concept under the law, constru constructive possession. So folks call us and say, I'll give you an example that's not an NFA thing. Uh, somebody calls and said, hey, I'm a prohibited person. I got convicted of a felony, but my, my wife, who I'm sure a household with, wants a gun. What can we do? Well, we're concerned there about the felon uh, being considered in constructive possession of the wife's firearm. Um, or the law saying it's really not the wife's, it's the husband. So there's this concept out there of constructive possession that can be applied to this um, stabilizing brace situation. So if you, under the NFA, I don't know if I can find that or not, but under the NFA, actually under the law in lots of instances, um, 
just because the, 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 the stabilizing brace is detached from the firearm, the ATF may still say that you have constructive possession of an NFA item of a short barrel rifle because you can readily attach, you know, put the parts back together is what it amounts to. Um, so when the ATF says in their charts and then formal stuff, you can just remove the brace so that, you know, keep them apart. Maybe that's okay. Once again, it's an agency that's changed its mind. I certainly wouldn't trust them. It's a matter of degree here, I suppose. Um, uh, I certainly wouldn't keep it in the same safe. Um, would I keep it in the same house? Maybe you can take it to your office. I don't know. There are all kinds of things you can do. Uh, but according to the rule itself, uh, I'll read that back to you. You've got to permanently remove and dispose of or alter it so that it cannot be reattached. And it kind of depends on the degree of risk that you're willing to take within that language because there's some ambiguity in that language. Mm -hmm. um, so like you said, you don't want to get caught in this constructive possession trap where, like you said, if, if you have access to the brace, you have access to the firearm and it's easy to, to reattach the brace to the firearm, that could be constructive possession. Um, and, and, and I'm going to draw out this distinction a little bit here. So actual possession, right, is when I actually am holding something, I'm actual possession of the item. And uh, constructive possession is when you, you don't actually have possession of it, but you have access to it and the intent to exercise dominion or control, the ability and the intent to exercise dominion or control over that item. And so that, that's sort of the actual versus constructive possession distinction. So uh, like Mike said, we think the rule essentially says you have to destroy it practically speaking, um, but it says you have to dispose of or alter the, the brace so that it cannot be reattached. That's the rule. All right. So I want to kind of recap here uh, the options that we've discussed. You can register the firearm and there's an amnesty period until May 31st. As long as you begin the registration process by that date, you will not have to pay the $200 tax. Uh, you can replace the barrel with a barrel that is longer than 16 inches, 16 inches or longer, I should say. You can forfeit the firearm to your local ATF office. You can destroy the firearm or you can comply with this last option that we talked about. You can uh, dispose of, you can remove, dispose of, or alter the brace so that it cannot be reattached. And right? yep. And then the other thing, remember, and we're not, giving you any legal advice here, but if you're going to register to, by want to get it done by May 31st, don't start on May 31st or May 30th. Get, you got to get going on that soon. If you, if that's something that you, you want to do, if that's something you want to do. Yeah. Um, and there's no grandfather. I mean, I think it's obvious from our discussion here, there's no grandfather provision with this law. Uh, so if you own one of these items before now, it's, it's, it doesn't only apply to new purchases. It applies even if you were already in possession of these items before the new rule took effect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And one little point, too, for those of you out there who may have firearms trusts or trusts generally, um, for you to take advantage of the tax waiver of 200 bucks, uh, it, it had to it had to be you can't register it for the trust unless it was already, the firearm was already in the trust before this rule was passed in January. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to have, they're going to require documentation of that. Like, uh, like, uh, your list of items possessed by the trust needs to be, 
documented and probably notarized that sort of thing. So, um, you can't just register in a trust unless it was already in the trust before the rule was passed. Yeah. All right. So and the, the other thing too, that people may ask, so the firearm without the brace on it is not a registrable firearm, right? If it just has the buffer tube, just the, the component that it's, extends from the receiver. Yeah. I'm hesitant to say a registrable, registrable firearm because you could put a stock on it and register it as a short barreled rifle, but it's not required to be registered because it still maintains its status as a pistol as of the ATF's interpretation today. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, and we've talked a little bit about uh, the status of some litigation going on. Uh, again, the likelihood of a preliminary injunction going into effect before May 31st. Yeah. I want to back up. I want to say one thing here. I said you could put a stock on it and then reg. No, that's not true. Do not put a stock on it before it's <laughs> register it first. Register it and then you can put a stock on it. <laughs> go in the it, right. To, yeah, go go in the, the right order around. there. Right. Okay. So uh, once again, I, I, it doesn't seem like a preliminary injunction is going to take effect. It's still possible, but the chances are dwindling as we uh, get closer and closer to May thirty first. Uh, anything else you'd like to say about either the rule or the status of pending litigation against the rule in the courts? No, like I said, I, I still ultimately am pretty confident this is going to be struck down, but I don't know if it's going to be struck down in the near term before May 31st, which is when your, quote, opportunity, end quote, <laughs> ends to get this tax-free registration. Uh, I'm still hopeful there's litigation. I don't think they've ruled. Maybe I'm wrong. There's some litigation in North Dakota um, that could still produce a um, preliminary injunction. And I also noted in that case that they, the, the good guys on our side, they're trying to throw this rule out, have already filed a motion for summary judgment. I don't want to get into weeds, but maybe we'll get some relief, start seeing some positive things with regard to this pistol rule. Um, and I say positive things, that's people that like freedom and don't and are opposed to tyrannical government. Maybe we'll see some good things before too long. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike and I prepared for this episode more or less independently and then chatted a little bit before we actually started recording, but I will uh, try to link to a lot of the resources that we referenced here in the show. Uh, the ones that Mike referenced and the ones that I referenced as well. So look for those uh, references or those resources in the show notes. If you're interested in those, we'll certainly link to the, uh, ATF final rule, because that's uh, obviously important if you're trying to comply with their rule. So um, anyway, anything else you want to say before we sign off? Here, yeah, Mike? we'll just try to link some of these things. And, you know, it's funny, we're going to link to some of the simpler things the, F the ATF has done, which is different than their final rule, which is hard to understand. But anyway, I hope I, I kind of chuckled inside. You said Mike prepared. I hope it sounded like I prepared. I'm not sure. <laughs> the more you get into this, the... yeah more difficult it is to articulate what's going on. All right. Well, thanks for joining the show, Mike. I'm glad you came on to talk about this. This is a, an important topic for lots of folks. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy it, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to help us spread the message of freedom. Uh, Sunday, I'll be releasing an episode about why the worst people get in positions of power. Until then, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.